Hi, everyone. My name is Matt Jarbo. This is Stranger Days. Thank you very much for tuning in. And today I want to talk with you guys about unsolved mysteries. Well, one specific unsolved mystery, because, you know, unsolved mysteries are like the spice of life for true crime fans. The unknown of what befell a person always tends to keep us up at night wondering about what we'll never truly know the answer to. This is apparent when it comes to young women who go missing, and even more when the remains are discovered a few weeks later and can only be identified through DNA sampling. With the current ongoing media coverage of the Gabby Petito case, another unsolved mystery wriggled its way into my brain like a worm, and it got me thinking about the unknown surrounding the deaths of Chris Kremers and Lisanne Froon. Now, this particular tale is not one that's new to podcasters or true crime enthusiasts, but it still remains one that sits on the back of our minds as we ponder the what happened. Chris Kremers and Lisanne Froon were Dutch students who disappeared on April 1st, 2014, while hiking the El Pianista Trail in Panama. Going back even before then, what brought them to Panama in 2014? Why were they there? Well, in March of that same year, after graduating from a Dutch university, the friends, the two best friends, the inseparable best friends, decided to travel from the Netherlands to Panama, where they were invited to assist local communities, volunteer with children, learn Spanish, party a little bit, enjoy their young age, all that stuff. However, unfortunately, a miscommunication led them to arriving in Boquit a little too early for their program. In fact, it was a week too early which Kremers noted in her diary that it was rude and not at all friendly, but she was eager to put it behind her and not let it ruin the trip. She was very much a positive outlook on life kind of person. Sadly, this particular diary entry was written on the morning of the day they went up that trail and never came back down. Here's what we know. In the early morning of April 1st, 2014, Lisanne and Chris decided to take a casual hike along the Pianista Trailer, which is actually a pretty well-traveled area through a heavily wooded, rugged terrain along the border of Costa Rica. And they were actually not alone. They were joined by the host family's dog, named either Azul or Blue. It really depends on which article you're reading. They do very from source to source, but I think at this point, Azul seems to make the most amount of sense. They didn't take much with them. In fact, they only packed what they needed for a brief day's hike, including swimsuits, sunglasses, and their camera to take pictures of the breathtaking scenery. The hike was actually pretty easy, and it was only going to take them about four hours to get to the summit, and the whole thing was only about four kilometers long anyway. Now, the tourism industry in Panama is pretty bustling, and this was actually one of the more popular trails it was only going to take them about four hours to reach the summit, and the whole thing was roughly four kilometers long. Really, not that bad. A pretty easy hike happens all the time. But what's really interesting, and keep in mind to this particular person, is that before they disappeared, they actually met with a tour guide less than 24 hours beforehand, and they met with this guy on the campus of the all-inclusive language school called Spanish by the River, which is where the women were staying. During this meeting, this guy offered them a full package tour, including a guided hike up to the nearby Continental Divide and an overnight stop at his ranch deep in the jungle on the far side of the mountains. 
for unknown reasons, the two girls declined. I think we can maybe come to our own conclusion as to why they declined. Maybe they didn't get a good vibe out of this guy. And again, pay attention. He pops up a couple of times. Now, later in that evening, on April 1st, when Azul returned home without the girls and the girls didn't show up for an appointment with another tour guide in the morning of April 2nd, the host family, they got a little bit on the nervous side and they actually reached out to the National System of Civil Protection, the NSCP, to report them missing. And at first, those guys, they didn't take the report seriously at all. In fact, they didn't even get involved for four more days. And the reason why was that the NSCP didn't even believe the report. They thought that the two girls were just off partying somewhere in the jungle and that they were fine. They were just going to show up. So this is actually a pretty big problem because in a follow-up interview in the Daily Beast, that same tour guide was interviewed by that reporter back in 2016. And he said that those girls would still be alive if the NSCP knew how to do their jobs. Okay. Interesting. Again, pay attention. Now, there's been a lot of criticism about how the authorities handled the missing person search for Chris and Leanne, and some have speculated that they didn't take it seriously because they didn't care. And others believe that they covered it up in order to protect the Panamanian tourism industry. Now, here's what you need to know about that. In 2019, pre-COVID, tourism brought roughly $4.5 billion into Panama. This is money lost since COVID. And in fact, before then, when it was at its height in 2019, this contributed to 11% of Panama's gross domestic product, and it created over 100,000 jobs. So while there is a vested financial interest to protect the image of the tourism industry, it's all gone to shit anyway, so they maybe should have just done something. Clearly, this is a major industry for this tiny country. Now, another issue that hurt the investigation was really that the search teams, they didn't know where to start. The girls, they never told anyone where they were going. And given how large the area is with all the trails there are, search teams simply didn't know where to start. And it wasn't until months later that they were able to confirm that the girls had even left on April 1st rather than March 31st. And when you're trying to find someone in that kind of environment, the first 24 hours are absolutely imperative. And that is where there were some screw-ups. However, by April 3rd, the locals organized aerial and ground searches of the trails that they believed that the girls took. A couple of days later, still no sign of Lisa and Chris, their parents decided to travel from the Netherlands to Panama to help look for them. Alongside the parents were also Dutch authorities and investigators to help assist with the case. Dutch authorities brought tracking dogs to help locate the missing girls. And these dogs were actually trained to detect scent for up to nine days. But the dogs didn't turn up any leads or clues. And a big problem of that has to do with the jungle. It's very damp, hard to detect smells. It's very muffled in regards to sounds. It is very easy to get lost in there. So they were literally looking for a needle in a haystack at that time. And after five days of searching for the girls with no luck, a $30,000 reward was offered for any information into their disappearance. And this is when the floodgates opened. So many people put out tips and they had to follow as many of them as they could. 
And at the time, the only real clue the authorities had was eyewitness accounts of the girls having breakfast with two unidentified men that morning. However, the identities of those two men have never been confirmed, or if they have, they've never been disclosed. So fast forward about 10 weeks after the girls disappeared, and a young woman from the Nagobe tribe, a nearby tribe, showed up with a backpack. And this was Lisanne's backpack. She says that she found it floating along the riverbank in a pile of debris. Inside the backpack, there was 83 bucks in cash, Lisanne's passport, a water bottle, a digital camera, two bras, and two cell phones. All of the items recovered in the backpack were neatly packed, dry, and in perfect condition. Which is weird. However, now after finding this phone, authorities had a lead. Once they were able to get into the phone and examine everything, they uncovered a pretty grim timeline of events. And the sad thing is, even though people were aware the girls were missing on April 2nd, the phones remained active for the next 10 days after the girls went missing. During this time, it's been confirmed that both Kremers and Froon repeatedly called for help. They would either dial 112, which is basically 911 for the Netherlands, or 911 for Peru. They made numerous emergency calls a few hours into their hike. Logs show that they managed to connect only once due to poor reception in the forest, and the call was only able to remain stable for roughly two seconds. After the attempted emergency calls, their phones did stay on for some time. Kremers was trying to get into her phone, but kept incorrectly entering the wrong pin, which means that it could have been Froon who was trying to do it. Also, Kremers' phone was powered on one last time on April 1st, 2014, and both phones went dead afterward. So that is a solid 10 days after they went missing. Given this timeline, the authorities did assume, and probably rightfully so, that at least one of the women were alive five days into the search. But because they didn't know where to start, they didn't know where to look. And that was a major problem. But what only makes things worse is when they were able to get into the camera, the Canon power shot. More than 100 pictures were on the camera. While the first few did look like normal tourist photos, with the two girls smiling together, eventually things changed. The last known images of the two are from that fateful hike. The last bunch. Well, one of them showed Chris Kremers with what looked like concern on her face. And that was dated around the same time of the emergency calls. After this, the photos were from April 8th, 2014, and likely snapped between 1 a.m. and 4 a.m. These were not of anything in particular, seemingly random objects, like a stick with some plastic on it. Uh, one was a little bit weird because it showed what appeared to be one of the girls, uh, the back of her head, and you can see like what appears to be a little bit of blood, but we don't know what that means. Once the pictures got out there, experts started to look at them. And of course, they came up with multiple theories as to the how and the why the girls took the photos where they did. The arbitrary pictures they looked at 
looked as if steady hands took the shots, suggesting that they were intentional. These were probably of the foliage, the canyons, and a bridge, maybe as identifying markers as a way to, to know where they had been in order to make sure that they weren't going in circles. Or they believe that the ones at night were being used as a way to light their way in the jungle because otherwise there's no light out there. And if they keep moving, they need to have light. So a flash would allow them to get a glimpse of what's ahead and then make their way down. However, there have been plenty, plenty, plenty of conspiracy theories online suggesting that neither Froon nor Kremers actually took these photos, that they were dead as of April 1st, and that they believe that somebody abducted these women and took the photos as a way to throw them off the trail. And to kind of add a little bit of fuel to that fire, there is the issue of the missing image. You see, all the photos that were taken were all numbered. And one of them, image number 509, was seemingly deleted. Image 508, image 510, they're there. Image 509 is gone. There's no explanation as to why it was deleted, but many, especially on the internet, believe that it was done on purpose to cover something up. So getting back to the main investigation, two months after the woman brought the backpack, a pelvis bone and hiking boot containing a human foot were recovered. What's really fascinating about that, according to the Daily Beast's reporting back in 2016, is that same tour guide mentioned earlier was the one who led the search for the remains. And other people in that area have added to the speculation that this rancher slash tour guide literally got away with murder. Even though no evidence has ever come forward to suggest he had any hand in foul play. But the speculation is that this guy was the last person to see them alive. And then he's also the guy who finds their bones. It's pretty wild and it's definitely pretty damning. But again, no evidence has come forward and this guy has basically denied any involvement. When the pelvis bone and foot were then sent through DNA testing, they were identified as Lisanne's. Soon after, more than 30 wildly scattered human bones were found in the surrounding area and DNA tests conclusively identified the remains as the missing girls. Among the scattered bones, however, Investigators also located the remains of three unknown people, in addition to the missing Dutch students. And going back to that Daily Beast article, this is what they say possibly happened to Chris and Lisanne. It says here that the Daily Beast received more than 100 images taken from Lisanne's camera, with about 90 of them made outdoors in heavy jungle and at night. If the date included in the timestamp on the last photo is correct, that would mean they were made on April 8th. This means that the Cineproc, which is essentially the NSCP, their search efforts got underway on April 6th. One or both of the women were still alive, stranded, without food or shelter in very steep country, but alive. They must have been drinking river water, which could have contained giardia or amoebic dysentery. One person points out, after one day, diarrhea could have started causing dehydration, weakness, and loss of mental and physical sharpness. 
Temperatures at night in the cloud forest would have been in the 50s and low 60s. At that elevation, which means hypothermia would have been a risk, especially as they lacked jackets and ponchos. Remember, all they had in there was their standard clothes and two bras. The article continues with, After a week of constant hunger and exposure to the elements, they would already be psychologically and physically impaired, and experiencing a loss of wit, quickness, strength, and agility. The reason why this is important now, seven years after the death of Chris Kremers and Lisa Froon, and now the settled-upon theory is that they died from a hiking accident and not a murder. But the Daily Beast does go on to speculate further by saying, Some close to the case doubt the hiking accident scenario. They suggest a darker version of events, including a possible sex crime and murder which the government either ignored or covered up. According to this theory, the remains and belongings were either thrown in the river to get rid of them or deliberately planted by the perpetrators. Now, the reason why that last line is so fascinating is when they went back a few weeks later after finding the backpack, they found another set of clothes and they were neatly folded and placed on the opposite side of the river. No answer as to why. Was it a person from the local tribe found the clothes, didn't know who they belonged to, folded them neatly as a courtesy for the person who might have lost them? Was it planted? Where was the tour guide at that point in time? We have no idea. However, the article does further extrapolate in regards to the end of the trail sign at the top of the Continental Divide, which is where the girls were headed. And that sign didn't exist in 2014. It does now, in part because of these girls going missing. But what they say here is that these are nameless trails that aren't monitored or maintained by park rangers. They're also exceptionally rugged and dangerous, especially during the April to October wet season. Even the Nagobe only use them when absolutely necessary after the big rains come. So weather could be a pretty big factor here. Flash floods are definitely something that happen. And I'm wondering if the girls just happened to be in dire physical straits when a flash flood hit. And that is one of the things that ended their life, unfortunately. So here's the other part of this, a key tenant of the foul play hypothesis, because a lot of people have been focusing on the foul play stuff, is that Chris and Lisanne, who had come to Boquette to study Spanish and volunteer to work with children in the community, wouldn't have wandered off into the daunting and mud-choked indigenous trails. Or at least not of their free will. The women only had light clothing and no food, camping, or survival gear, indicating that they almost certainly had not planned for more than a few hours' hike in the forest. Well, obviously. Now, proponents of the abduction theory, they claim that Chris and Lisanne were either forced down into the web of native trails by a third party, or abducted returning from their hike up to the divide, possibly while walking the two-lane highway back to the small tourist town of Boquette in the valley below. And here's the reason why they say that. Robberies have occurred on the trail before, and travel guides like Lonely Planet have warned about crime on the Pianista. So crime is not uncommon. Perhaps the girls were robbed, and they ran into the jungle, and they got lost. 
And from there, they didn't know where to go and they had a hiking accident and they died. Foul play doesn't necessarily seem like the reality of the situation. And even in researching the story, I was looking on the Reddit and there's still a lot of conversation about foul play. My honest take by looking at everything here is that it's likely that the girls succumbed to the jungle. As tragic as it is, as unfortunate as it is, that seems like the likely scenario. But I'll say this, that tour guide slash rancher does come across as a bit of a shifty figure. And if anything ever does come out of this, I wouldn't be surprised if he had something to do with it. But as always, I want to hear your thoughts. I want to hear your opinions. Let me know down in the comment section here on YouTube. If you're listening to this on podcast form, iTunes, Spotify, please leave a message, leave a review. I want to hear it. Find me on Twitter at MJarbo. You guys can find me on Instagram too at real Matt Jarbo. I'll talk to you guys later. Have yourself a great day. Thank you again for listening and I'll see you later.